people always complain about review sites and stuff like that. And because sometimes they can, they don't really tell the whole picture, but like, no matter what you think about reviews online, that's, that's how we make decisions. And it's so critical to make sure that you take care of people because the truth will come out. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 156. The RV Entrepreneur is a podcast for anyone who's interested in downsizing their life, creating remote income, and working from anywhere. Before jumping into today's episode, I just want to take a minute and thank you guys who have reached out through email, Facebook, Instagram over the past few weeks, just asking where the podcast has been. And if you subscribe to us in multiple places, uh, you've noticed that we've been kind of lacking in content on YouTube and Instagram and all of that kind of stuff. And so... If you're subscribed to our email list, you know that Alyssa sent out something on Sunday, which is just kind of an update to explain why we've been gone, which was she got really sick when we were in Canada and we had to cut the trip short, come back to Texas and just kind of a lot of focus and energy has been in that. And so that's where we've been lately. And just sometimes life happens and, you know, things get behind and because it's not as important as making sure that your wife is doing okay. So it's been a whirlwind past couple of months, but I'm excited to be back in the mix and get back to recording consistent episodes for you guys. Also, if you want to be in the loop outside of just the podcast, we send out two weekly emails and it's not just, hey, here's a new podcast. A lot of times it's kind of like longer form messages that are, I guess, more intimate and thoughtful and just kind of share like what we're learning in our business, in our life, and occasionally with travel as well. So if you want to be on our email list, you can get those at heathandalyssa.com forward slash email and would love to have you there. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Jeff Shelton, who's the CEO of Wholesale Warranties, which is a company that provides direct-to-consumer extended RV warranties. So if you're not buying a brand new RV, they'll do everything from inspector rig, carry roadside assistance, and basically every mechanical component of your RV they will cover that could break on the road, like your jack slides, all of these things that kind of go wrong and add up to hundreds or thousands of dollars sometimes a month in maintenance. They'll take care of all that. And one thing that was interesting as I was looking into Jeff's company and getting to know him a little bit before we jumped on this podcast was that this is a type of business that invokes a strong emotion, like you're breaking down on the side of the road, you're having to spend a lot of money, it can be highly stressful. And it's a business that relies heavily on support. Can you deliver what you promised when you sold somebody on a warranty? And Wholesale Warranties has hundreds and hundreds of online reviews with a five-star rating. And of course, there's always going to be the outlier people who are upset. But I thought it'd be cool to dig into this podcast episode with Jeff and talk about obviously the beginning of his journey and what he's learned while growing this to be one of the largest companies in his space. But what do you do to actually get to that point where you're providing an amazing customer service? And then how do you deal with flip side of that, which is people who hate you and want to bash on you online? So we talk about both of those things, and as well as being able to avoid toxic customers to never let them into your pipeline and much more in this episode with Jeff. Support for today's episode is provided by Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts of RVing is sitting down with other people and just sharing stories. The good, the bad, the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life about what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, and where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to this podcast, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road podcast, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into today's episode with Jeff Shelton. Jeff, thanks for being on the podcast with me. 
Oh, thanks for having me. So I, I want to dig into the story behind wholesale warranties and everything you guys have been building over the past decade. But you and I were just talking before we jumped on here and just kind of going through the RV industry as a whole. I asked you guys if you've kind of been feeling this huge surge, which everyone kind of has been in the RV industry. Uh, mm-hmm. And you kind of started nerding out a little bit on the <laughs> RV economy as a whole. So I, I think it's kind of, I, I told you to stop so we can just kind of dig in and talk about that on this episode. So uh, yeah, continue continue that conversation where we left off around the RV economy and how it's been and where it's going. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, as we were speaking earlier, it, I just, I, I feel very grateful because really when I started focusing in on my business selling, you know, RV warranties direct to consumer, when I really started focusing on that um, full time, it was at the heart of the recession. And not only were we going through tough economic times, but like the gas prices were incredibly high. So it just devastated the RV industry. And, um, you know, it seems over the last uh, 10 years or so, it's just been continually climbing year after year after year. You know, not too, uh, just a few years ago, I, I discovered that, you know, a lot of the economists actually take a look at the RV industry as a general indication for how the economy is performing. You know, from what I'm told, the theory is, is that, you know, a lot of the, because it is typically a discretionary type of purchase where, you know, most people don't live in their motorhomes or travel trailers, but they just do it for, you know, recreational purposes and kind of a glamorous camping adventure. When times get tough, that's that's one of the first things that go that that goes and that slows down. So I, I always kind of find that as an interesting thermostat of where where our economy is. So has there been any downticks in I mean RVs have been going bonkers crazy, but I, I've been looking at Google trends and somebody tweeted I saw somebody tweet yesterday just the amount of upticks and people searching recession over the the past month or so and i don't know what that means like it just it's on <laughs> people's mind or ha- so have you heard anything as in regards to in indicators from at least the rv industry um you know i mean i think there's always pessimists especially just 10 years ago when we went through such a economic setback that i think a lot of people are talking about a bubble but it's you know hopefully it's not a bubble that ever burst but maybe plateaus I hate speculating, like speculating, but I only say that. I do kind of like to. <laughs> <laughs> you say you hate it because you, it feels like you should hate it, but you actually don't. It sounds like. Yeah, it's like it's like gossip. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not. I like talking about it because the last recession I never really experienced. I was just graduating from high school, and so I didn't really understand and 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 have an understanding of the impact of it. So. I've actually talked about in a recent episode with um, some of the guys over at Leisure Travel Vans, and I thought it was – I kind of at it from the perspective of not like the news, which is like fear-mongering, but from the standpoint mm-hmm. of like what should you know other people be thinking of as they're trying to build their thing? And you know when something does happen and there's a setback, how can you be thoughtful so that you can be prepared? You know what I mean? So coming at it yeah. from like a what can you learn from it versus like you everyone be fair, afraid and freak out. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of um, seeing where like industry trends where you think it might go versus speculating on on the economy, because, you know, I think like just naturally some people that are business owners, when they when they speculate a little bit too much on on where the economy is going, there's like there's nothing you can do about it anyways. Mm, (laughs) Totally. Except for just I, I, I like the idea of just assuming that hard times may come about and planning for the worst, but expecting the best. 
that's always kind of served me very fruitful and uh, kind of one of the reasons I wasn't able, you know, I didn't have to suffer terribly during the big uh, economic recession of 10 years ago and able to somewhat capitalize on an, on an industry that I think was at its low point. Yeah. So let's dig into the beginning of wholesale warranties. So you guys sell RV warranties for people, not just during their first year, but long-term saving with costs uh, and things like that. You can give a much better sales pitch on this at some point than I can. But let's <laughs> let's let's start at the beginning of this. So you your your family's background uh, had a background in marine warranties. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, my my dad has uh, well st- uh, still owns um, several marinas up in Minnesota. So we we're always in the marine industry growing up. Um, and then my brother, when he graduated, he started getting into the marine warranty business. And it was kind of like Marines and RVs kind of came with it. And what we, what he did was set up dealerships with their extended warranty programs. And it was somewhat of like your own business because when you set up a dealership and they sold your warranty programs, you get a small cut off of everything that they sell. So basically you set up a relationship directly with insurance providers like auto and RV insurance providers and kind of resell those to dealers who then resell those to customers. Is that kind of the... The whole flow of that that's that's exactly it actually yeah gotcha <laughs> yep. and you know it was it's a nice business but you know you had to build up build up your dealership clientele and when you have a, an insurance company offering a product to an agent then an agent taking a small markup and offering it to the dealership and then the dealership marketing market marking it up it's kind of a lot of people involved and get their hands in them the on the on the profits of the you know the cost of the warranty and when i was doing that i kind of saw an opportunity to essentially just cut out the dealership markup <laughs> and sell directly and to customer that. yeah and and i i kind of have been in this mode of selling our software to campgrounds in the past couple of years and while it's a different market than rv dealers it's kind of not also it's very similar i would presume it's in the same industry you know there's still a lot of mom and pop dealerships just like there are campgrounds and you know they're hyper busy all the time so it's kind of it can be i would presume a little bit of a hard sell yeah it somewhat was because actually when i was doing it in the midwest it was a lot of you know very very small dealerships and they just had a lot of things going on where they had to you know sell the rv they had to you know find financing and you know set that up and when you only had you know um when there's only a few big dealerships that had more than, you know, five or 10 people there, it was a difficult process to get them to learn another product. And I think that's where I somewhat struggled starting out getting this, that business off the ground until I actually went direct to consumer because I was on the phone actually talking to a lot of the customers and educating them about, about the product. And then, um, you know, just kind of the idea clicked is like, there's just a lot of inefficiencies <laughs> in this process. And I think that's how, you know, once you're able to find an inefficient way of doing the way that business is being done now, I mean, that's kind of how I, how you discover a business idea. So was the thought with selling directly to dealers, hey, I just need to make 
you know, 50 sales and then they're going to make 50 sales. That, that's exactly it. Where I'm like, I'm doing all basically doing the work for them and they're making these huge markups. And I'm and I'm saying, you know what? Why don't we just cut the margins a little bit to give the, the customers a much better value dollar for dollar? I can get into more dealerships if they could just send the business my way. I'll take care of everything. I'll give them a small cut of everything. Just a little, you know, just a little commission, but they don't have to do anything. So I'll do everything for them. And I think, you know, there was a little bit more pride in offering the product because it was they now saw that there's there's just a much better value to the end consumer. Also, the dealers don't have to worry about the RV coming back to them and having to deal with all the repairs if something went wrong on like a used RV. And, you know, and they could also get all the service work. And so there's a big upside to them to not necessarily try to get their hands in all the profits, but also just offer the customer more value. Right. How long how long did you start off with that first business model before you decided to switch and do something else? Yeah, it's probably about two, I'd say maybe a year and a half or two years before I started switching a little, you know, my my dealership business over to the direct to consumer business. And I was doing both. And then for probably another year. And then I just really focused on the direct to consumer. I thought that was the best opportunity. And I mean, were you profitable before that or just maybe by a little bit? And But it was also a headache and you just didn't see the room for growth. Yeah, I was profitable, but just scraping by because it was one of those businesses where, you know, you have to build up a decent base of dealerships. So, you know, you, if you if you sold one dealership, this concept a month, you really wouldn't start making money till maybe two years down the road where you could probably, so you kind of go a little bit into debt, in, into debt. Or for me personally, like I, I just, I was, <laughs> you know, really scraping by, I was able to live modestly and that was really what helped me get by, but I wasn't living it up by, by any means. And then interestingly enough, when I really started turning things over to the direct to consumer market, that's when the economy tanked. And a lot of the dealerships that I set up went out of business. So I lost the majority of that business anyways. And I was like, wow, thank God I grabbed, you know, grasped onto something that was working a little bit better anyways, because I don't know if I would have made it. I'd have probably been starving for a lot longer. <laughs> you transitioned to focusing on in-consumers and selling RV warranties to them. How did you start going out and actually finding customers once you had your product? Like, what did that what did that look like? Well, it was a little bit of a shift from moving my my. Um, it was started out because I had more uh, dealership relationships that I would have the dealership refer business over to us. And then when I met a friend that was in internet marketing and essentially just showed me the ropes of what he was doing. And he was doing this for like children's ATVs that he imported from, you know, from China and did really well on online with that and kind of just showed me the ropes a little bit on how to set up a website, do Google AdWords, do a little bit of basic advertising and start getting leads that way. That's, That's what really kind of made the dramatic shift for us to be able to do this without going through the dealerships. That's what really launched us into an incredible amount of growth. Was it a night and day difference from like a effort versus profit once you started shifting your focus to consumers? In other words, maybe you're putting in like the same amount of effort 
in finding customers, but the results were just a lot more because the profits were much, much bigger. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a night and day. It wasn't like all of a sudden leads started flowing in. It was just it was kind of somewhat gradual, but like I think it was like just month by month it was gradual. But over the first probably five or six years in this business, we doubled every 18 months. So it was like a steady but fairly dramatic growth, you know, and I think it was uh, a big part of that had to do with just people getting used to like that concept and, you know, word of mouth and um, a lot of people in the industry that know about where to look for this type of product. And it's kind of a new concept because never before, you know, I really got into this industry, there wasn't many people. Any, anywhere else where you could get warranty coverage except through the dealership. So it's kind of a new concept. Yeah, I mean, we got our, our we got RV insurance through Good Sam our first year on the road, which was uh, we had a 20-year-old beater of an RV. Uh, it was like a Class C motorhome. And we ended up averaging three to $500 a month of maintenance on that rig. But it wasn't, I guess it was more like if we got a wreck insurance or if we had to put it in the shop, we'd get covered through hotel with what you guys sell, it looks like you actually get almost like legit, like it's your first year warranty cover. So in other words, if you have to take it into the shop for any kind of maintenance, is that covered? And I know there's probably a thousand different stipulations, but I just want to understand a little bit. Yeah, so we do the, it's it's essentially RV breakdown, like mechanical breakdown um, coverage, where we'll pay for any mechanical breakdowns, but we don't do the general maintenance Typically, those are low-dollar items that, like you know. oil change or something like that. Oil changes, stuff like that. And then you have collision insurance where if you got into an accident or, you know, you had storm damage, got hit by a hurricane or something like that, that's, you know, separate collision insurance. But, you know, there's that big gaping hole of cost, which is just, you know, if you have problems with the engine, your slide-out doesn't work, um, your heater conks out, something, things like that where it's just pretty expensive on these <laughs> RVs. And most people don't know how much things cost either. And that's the other thing that we're, you know, we found out that was a huge pain point for the industry. And, um, you know, as things progress, you start learning more and more about what people are concerned with. And, you know, you kind of modify the product as, as the years go on. And that's kind of what led to a lot of the steady growth. Yeah. So when you were getting started, would you say that kind of the other big behemoth that has a similar business is Good Sam? Yes, actually, uh, they were our number one competitor, but I I almost don't see them as a competitor because they really broke the ground for letting people know that there's another place to get this type of coverage. Like you can go online and you can find other coverage programs. So Good Sam is a huge leader in this industry. And I think there's always room for a number two. So we can, we can basically follow in their footsteps and do things a little bit what I would like to think better and a little bit differently than them. And yeah, they've been they've been fanta- fantastic. So when you're starting out and you're looking at, OK, there's this massive company that's been around a long time. They have a lot of name recognition in the space. How are you going to do something different or better than them? Because they probably have you know a lot of these processes down. They can get somewhat decent pricing or whatever. But I guess when you're looking at, OK, what's our value prop to a customer? If they say, how are you guys different than somebody like that? What, yeah. what were you thinking in the beginning stages and how you were going to do it differently, if that makes sense? Yeah, you know, and, and how I started doing things differently, I didn't actually even really plan for it as a competitive standpoint. Um, wh- how we really did things differently was when we started out, we would only offer to brand new RVs that were under factory warranty. 
and then we'd be able to extend it because we knew that there extend that essentially factory warranty or get that type of coverage and for years after the factory warranty expired. And the reason that we only went after that business is because we didn't have to deal with the pre-existing conditions, but we were, you know, there's a lot of people with used RVs that wanted to get coverage. So we just started saying, all right, well, let's just find inspectors wherever you are. If we can find somebody to inspect it and we'll give them a checklist of things to do, we can start offering those, that, that product. And once we open those, that really is what kind of actually opened up the floodgates because we built out our inspection network and we were able to eliminate the pre-existing conditions. And when we looked at Good Sam, they're like, oh, they don't do inspections, but they have a lot of problems with covering, you know, a lot of times they'll have pre-existing conditions. Somebody will buy the program with something already wrong with it. So they're going to have to pay out more on claims. And they'll also have to try to deny some claims because they feel that it was already broken ahead of time. So it's, it was kind of an inefficient way for them to do that business. I don't know. And, and it just kind of somewhat fell in our lap that that was a huge differentiating factor to keep our costs down and also provide the type of service that people could actually use if they had a breakdown in the first couple of months. By you guys going out and doing those inspections, it essentially hedges your bets because the customer is not going to get the RV if it's a lemon. So yep. therefore, you're not covering a, a crappy RV. And if it is good, then you probably have to pay less out over time for it because it's in pretty good shape. Yeah, that that's exactly it. And it took us a long time to really even build that network. But that's that's really kind of been, I think, the one huge distinction that's that's allowed us to really gain a substantial market share from the Good Sam products because there's really just us and them out there right now. It's it's very it's a it's a and the, the more we learn, the more we adapt. We have a stronger stronger grip on this market. Yeah, why why did they not go out and do the inspections? That kind of makes a lot of sense. They just think there's yeah. not a lot of profit margin there, maybe, but they didn't look at it from the long term. I don't know. Do you, I mean do you? I guess you can only speculate. You know, I I, I could only speculate. I, I I it's I think it's almost kind of like a glaring, obvious thing to do, but I have no idea. And also, you know, because I think they're tied in with good like camping world. I, I think they maybe have a hard time finding inspectors like we did, or maybe at the time when they got into this business. I mean, I don't know how long they've been. I think it's like thirty years they've been doing it. That at the time it wasn't feasible. And maybe when I got into the, the market, it became more and more feasible by easily finding, you know, like the internet revolution, I guess, you know, where you can actually just quickly search in uh, certain areas and find inspectors and, you know, locating them maybe was something that just wasn't available at the time. And they just kind of started doing it in their set ways, you know, for years and years and didn't feel like changing it. That's that's what I speculate anyways. That's yeah. my theory. <laughs> totally. I mean, a lot of people, when they're trying to start something new, they it's easy to like get in your own head and basically be thinking, okay, well, this company's already been doing this a long time. They're established. They're huge. They've got tons of money. So I probably shouldn't just work on building anything because they're already big and established and out there. I guess for you, why did you think that you could come in and take like a small percentage of that business, even the market's obviously huge. And I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons. But you know, does that make sense? There's just so many people that don't chase good ideas that they could potentially execute on because they're afraid that it's already been done before. Well, you know, when I when I started out, I, I was actually just doing it through the uh, dealership referrals. So it's kind of I didn't even know I was getting into <laughs> into the industry that I that I am. It was uh, it was kind of 
you know, since I just started doing, you know, a few here and there, and then it started to build. And I was also involved in other businesses. At the time, it was more just kind of, di- I was di- diverse across the board on things that I was working on. And then when I started making the tri- uh, transition to the online sales, I even knew that there was a, a big juggernaut of a competitor that was already doing a similar thing. But when I realized that the inspection side of the business was going to be the differentiating factor and the companies allowed me to do the extended warranties on the used RVs, um, it it somewhat just fell on my lap. And I really didn't even know that that was the business that I was going to end up being in, you know, because I I always kind of think of it as like, you know, I pivoted from the direct selling directly to the dealerships because that was kind of not working and I started selling it anyway. So I pivoted a little bit like, all right, I'll sell it for them. Then I started getting into that business. And then like, oh, met a friend that taught me a little bit about online marketing. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll go a little bit online and see what ha- happens there. And that started working. So I, you know, I, I don't think I ever really intended to go compete with this big multi-billion dollar company. I sort of was pulled in that direction, you know? If there is anything that I do fairly well is at least kind of just listen to the customers <laughs> and and follow them to develop a product that they really, you know, are, are seeking and, you know, finding the coverage that they're seeking and just kind of listening to your customer. And then sure enough, I just kind of find myself in a business that uh, was dominated by a multi-billion dollar company. It's almost like not overthinking it. Just going out and try and and you from what I'm hearing, it's like you knew that you could do it because you were already doing it. If you would have just sat around and basically thought about it all the time and how mm-hmm. you're going to build the biggest thing. That's I'm reading a book right now called Make by this guy who's bootstrapped several different uh, tech companies. One's called Nomad List and some other ones, but he just kind of built them in their spare his spare time. Saw what took traction. And he basically talked about how so many people kind of trip themselves up as entrepreneurs because they're trying to build like the biggest, baddest thing. Like I'm going to compete with Facebook or I'm going to compete with Good Sam or whatever. Instead of doing that, it's almost like focusing on a hyper niche of something and just proving and validating that it'll work and then just kind of growing as you can and trying to build something that's profitable and real and how much more feasible that is versus thinking like, I'm going to build this big thing. I'm going to go out and raise a bunch of money. The reason I'm in the business that I am is because like I somewhat failed at a lot of other things and I just kind of, okay, that didn't work. But, you know, I think I'm going to turn a little bit this direction, you know, like ah, the, the selling through the dealership. This is really slow. This isn't really working. Maybe I'll just try to see if they'll send me customers and start selling them directly. Okay, that kind of works. And then my friends were actually saying, knew that I could get a good deal. So I started selling to family and friends. I'm like, okay, that kind of works. I'm like, oh, let's throw, it up, throw up a website. Okay, that kind of works. All right, let's, you know, let's, let's go a little bit more down this path. And um, I tried a lot of things and a lot of things didn't work all that well. And I just tried to find the best thing that um, appealed, that, that was able to get the most customers through the door and just do a little bit more educational type of marketing where, you know, just explain what we can do for them. And, you know, I found myself going, you know, paving that kind of path. I had no idea I was getting uh, getting into this business, actually. So first time I've actually said that out loud where I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, like it is interesting how that <laughs> came about. Yeah. I mean, you forget what you know when you're in it all the time and mm-hmm. you're working on it and just growing and growing and growing. Like these would have been really valuable lessons, I'm sure, 10, 12, 15 years ago when you're first starting out. But just because you 
they kind of come through slowly. It's it's good to kind of like pull them out and think about them, you know. And the one that sticks out to me a lot because it's relevant for what we're building right now in our software company is that the process has to be stupid easy and just make sense for everybody. Like we've kind of been selling a platform of a reservation system to these big associations which are then like selling them to their, you know, kind of having their members on board, which then there's another customer, which is the end camper making bookings and it's kind of working, but it's also kind of confusing at parts two because, and it just, it's a great reminder that at the end of the day, like one, not everything's going to work. And two, it's got to be really simple and straightforward. And there has to be enough for everybody to make enough money that it makes sense. Like when you were selling, you know, the fourth resold a product, you know, to yeah. the dealer and then it comes back and then, you know, it's, it's chump change, but then you're still providing support. Like you're not making enough to cover your time at 150 bucks, you know, a, a commission. It just doesn't make sense. Like the numbers have to add up. Yep. And then going back to the drawing board and thinking, how can I improve this? Is there some better way of doing it? And usually if you think about it long enough, there usually is, there's always some type of answer that you can, you can come up with. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, you knew that there was a need that needed to be mm-hmm. met with the with the warranties, but the delivery method wasn't working. But there was there had to be some type of delivery method that would work better. Yeah. Also, great timing, I think, too, because a lot of the I guess the younger, more tech savvy people that were in the RV business, you know, whether it be a dealership or coming out with a new product, I think they they really got hit with the downturn of the economy, so there really wasn't any younger people i think with like more innovative ideas so i think it was a pretty fertile kind of ground to to get something going and do something improve a process in a in an industry that was run by older people totally it makes sense kind of shifting gears a minute real quick i so one thing i did before this interview is well i do it before every interview but i go down the google rabbit hole trail of the person i'm interviewing kind of just look at everything and read as much as i can and i think this is something interesting to talk about because it's relevant for so many people but just talking about reviews and i was talking with the campground owner about this the other day but basically just that people can be vicious and i imagine in the warranty space you guys, you know, you filled in thousands of thousands of warranties, paid those out for customers. And it's like, it just takes one or two people to not get everything they want. And then they're willing to just go bonkers and just say all these extremely nasty. So I guess, how have you dealt with people that you, for whatever reason, they weren't happy at the end of the day? The thing that I think in our business is that's just absolutely crucial is just to listen to them and let them vent. Because in our industry, we're dealing with breakdowns and expensive things. And even if the costs are covered, it's such a pain in the butt to have to take your RV. It interrupts your entire trip. You have to reschedule things. And there's such a massive frustration that a lot of times when they're venting and they're maybe getting a little bit out of hand, just understanding that like, look, they're, they're coming from a frustrating place. A lot of times they just need to vent and just get it off their chest. <laughs> and then like and then maybe, you know, a few weeks down the road, they're going to be like, OK, all right. I, I, I think I understand why there was a delay or why whatever they were upset about was an understandable thing that was either not our fault or we took responsibility. It's just really hearing the, the people out and making sure that they're happy in the end. And then also, I didn't learn this until like probably a few years into it, but I think the other thing that we've kind of done well 
is we don't necessarily try to talk everybody into getting our service. <laughs> we try to talk people out of it if we knew, know that they're going to be a difficult customer. It's, you know, this service isn't for everybody. I think in most any business is making sure you're getting the right type of client that you want. It's going to save you a lot of time and energy, you know, and it kind of goes back to the 80-20 rule, which are in our business, I think it's more like 595 rule, which I think 95% of our time when we're dealing with customer issues and stuff like that come from the same 5% of people that we should probably not do business with if we could find out who they are, you know, if, if, if they're that certain type of person, if that makes sense, you know, it's like, usually you get, you have some type of those, some of those customers are just never going to be happy. <laughs> if you want to try to eliminate those, those types of customers as, as quickly as possible. No, that, that absolutely makes sense. And one thing that you guys have, you in particular, have done a really good job of that I've noticed and is whenever there are those doubts or people come in, they're like, Oh, my claim didn't get paid out. X, Y, Z, I'm pissed off. Uh, almost all of those different sites I've noticed, like you have went in and personally left a thoughtful response and said, Hey, sorry for whatever happened. Give me a call. Here's my number. Here's my email. We want to get this figured out. And at the end of the day, like for me as a prospective customer or something like that, like, okay, maybe he got paid out. Maybe it didn't. But at the end of the day, it basically showed Jeff gives a crap enough to jump on this review site and leave a thoughtful response. And to me, that's what matters. Like my voice is going to be heard. And I was talking with the campground owner the other day about this very same thing because she'd been in a space for like a year and she like took, she like wears her heart on the sleeve, her sleeve. She's like, oh man, somebody left a review and it's terrible. And I was like, but you've left a response on everyone. And that's amazing. And that's why I'm here. And another customer came in behind me was talking to her and said the exact same thing. She was like, I look at the reviews too, but I noticed that you left one. And, and, and what I take that away from that is like, you're always going to have people that leave negative reviews, whether you're like publishing a book, a product, have a service-based business, but it's all about using that to grow and, you know, kind of taking it in stride. And yeah. And, and, you know, and actually what we do sometimes is I'll actually point to some of the negative reviews I'm saying, hey, here's some negative reviews. This guy thought that, you know, his belt broke. It cost, you know, a couple hundred dollars to replace. And it's a maintenance item. Uh, it's just not covered. You, you know what I mean? Like, this guy was upset. But it's just, you know, like, we want to be upfront. And the word I always like to use is transparent. You know what I mean? Be really upfront, you know, upfront and transparent with what it can and can't do. And you will lose some business because you're not willing to make overpromise. But in the long run, it's going to really, really help you in the long run. You know, I think a lot of times people make that mistake because they want to just really promise the world when they can't deliver it. And that's what's going to be your downfall eventually and really make people complain or, you know, set the wrong expectations for for down the road. And people always complain about review sites and stuff like that. And because sometimes they can they don't really tell the whole picture but like no matter what you think about reviews online that's that's how we make decisions and it's so critical to make sure that you take care of people cuz the truth will come out you can't <laughs> you uh you can't hide in, in in the world we live in you know everything's posted online you will see reviews you will see a little bit what's going on and you know i think customers are getting more and more savvy to understand you know exactly to get a, to be able to get a quick pulse on what a company's doing and how they're performing customer service wise 
Absolutely. And one thing that you kind of skimmed over, but I'll just reiterate it because I think it's crazy, crazy important. It's like it's better to repel people immediately because you can't fit their needs than, like you said, to have to deal with them later. Even in a very small way, uh, Alyssa, my wife, she released a book uh, this past November about living in RV. And it was just going to be like a guide to living on the road or something like that. And I was like, let's put a beginner's guide up there so people know that it's like hyper targeted to people who are trying to hit the road. And then on top of that, on the Amazon page, I was like, let's also add what's included in this book and what's not. So it was like things that aren't included, pets, talking about pets, transitioning from a house, like traveling with kids, because we have literally zero experience in these areas. And I think people really, really appreciate that right out of the gate because there's you have every proper expectation. And it's like people don't get mad when things go wrong. They go wrong when they expect things to go I think I said that wrong, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when they don't know what to expect or, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think kind of even – and it's it's like right now when we're, you know, a fairly large company, it's easy to, to be a little bit more discriminatory as far as, you know, um, excluding – not overselling our business, but like, I remember when you're kind of, when you're starving and somebody says, Hey, does it cover this, this, and this? And it doesn't, it can be pretty difficult to try to, to turn away business <laughs> if it's not the right business and you're starving. But like, you know, for anybody that's starting a new business, I highly encourage them to really go after kind of that niche, like what you're talking about in writing a book. Hey, this is what we cover. We're, if you're looking to talk about dogs, nope, we don't talk about this. We don't talk about this. We're in this slight niche little category that's going to be perfect for you. And I think, people, you know, and you can dominate that category. That's like, I think that's really where you want to be, you know, just carving out that small little segment of the market and dominate. Yeah. And even then, at the end of the day, people, because people don't read and they're lazy, you know, they're always going to be coming to like, oh, they didn't talk about this. And it's like, clearly it said this in 10 different places that you just didn't read, but you can only imagine if you hadn't put it on there and disclosed that at the very beginning, you would have had 20X that and 20X the issues and headaches. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome, Jeff. Well, where can people connect more uh, with you guys at Wholesale Warranties and learn more about what you do? Um, yeah, you can find us at wholesalewarranties.com. Also, we're uh, Wholesale Warranties on Facebook. We have Twitter, uh, Instagram, we have it all, but uh, mainly, uh, you know, uh, Facebook and uh, wholesalewarranties.com. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode with Jeff. If you want to grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast. Y'all are amazing. I've missed doing this show as I've been gone. So it's really good to be back in the groove of things. As always, if you have any suggestions for topics that you want to hear, uh, a good place to reach me is on Twitter uh, at Heath Padgett, and you can reach out there and let me know who you'd like to hear on the podcast or what topics you'd like to, for us to talk about. Hope you guys have an awesome day and I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.